Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. We're jumping into a new character today. Do you have a Bible? You can glance at Hebrews chapter 11, but our next Hall of Fame hero of the faith that we are dealing with, uh, all the ladies in the house, you can say hello, you can say what's up, because this is the first woman mentioned in the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith, and we're going to talk today about Sarah. So are you ready for this? I said, are you ready for this? All right, Genesis chapter 17, let's talk about this woman named Sarah, verse 15 and 16. And does anybody have a smartphone? You can also jump into our app and and you can follow along with scripture that way as well. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and indeed I will give you a son by her. This scripture this morning that we jump into if you're not familiar with the story this might just seem like okay very cool she'll be blessed and and I I will give you a son and you might be here today thinking okay what's what's the big deal about that sounds like a a pretty normal situation right but this is actually in, in a little context this is quite the promise that God is making to Abraham and to Sarah we spoke about Abraham last week remember how we spoke about even Abraham at times did not always wait well. Have anybody ever, has anyone here ever maybe possibly delayed a promise that God had for you because, let's just say it, you, you, you may have done something foolish. You may have stepped out of God's plan and, and the repercussions of that often is that we end up waiting longer. A lot of times God doesn't necessarily bless us right right away the, the, in, the, in, the, in the speed and the way we want him to. This is quite the promise, but if you take into consideration a few facts about this woman, Sarah, and her story, this seems pretty far out there. This story doesn't seem based in reality because um, here we go. <clears throat> this woman, Sarah, was 90. Turn to someone and say, this is a weird story, right? This is, this is, we're going to get into it. She's 90 years old at this point in time. Time is not on her side. It's not like that song. song. But her physical history, uh, her medical records, we would say it today, not only was she old, but the Bible tells us she was barren her whole life. Like even in her younger years, she had not had the ability to carry a child. And it's possible this morning, and as we talk about this and probably have a little bit of fun with it, but um, we also know <clears throat> she had a husband. And, and if you're here, how many of us were, were we here last week as we talked about Abraham? So last week we, we spoke about Abraham, her husband, and they both have something in, in common is that, <clears throat> can we say this in church because they're like 99 and 90. It's okay to use the old word for that age, right? They're both old. Her husband is old, she is old, and they both receive this promise that they are going to have a son. Well, today, it's quite possible, and I I love the time of worship we had, and can we just thank the worship team, and Eric was playing amazing on drums, and I don't know where where Rebecca's at, she's in here probably somewhere, or we're going to be in next service with her kids, but, and Rebecca, can we tell her a great job leading us into the presence of God today, right? Um, But man... 
we might all be walking through a season of spiritual barrenness. Is that even a word, barrenness? No, I don't know. But we might be spiritually barren in other ways. Uh, we might be spiritually barren in other forms. Um, any baby boomers in the house? I love this term that you coined because it's the best term, it's the correct term. You, you, you called it, it sounded something like this, it was called midlife crisis. Has anybody ever heard that term? My generation, we messed up midlife crisis and now we call it deconstruction. We call it like, oh, deconstructing your faith and all these different things. You baby boomers had it correct when you just used to say it's midlife. Just call it an excuse. You did something. You stepped out of God's will. You did something. You, you traded in a spout, right? You did something and you went through midlife. The baby boomers had that right. But, but we like to call it deconstruction or a season of, 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 of barrenness, a season of emptiness. Whatever, the, 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 right, the, the emotions are similar. You might be feeling like Sarah, you're waiting for something. You're stuck on something. Uh, you, you thought maybe at this stage or this age or this chapter of life you would be doing more making more participating in more there would just be more and you feel like you're in a season where you're just waiting does anybody feel like that today you're in a season of what you, you've heard God's promise you, you know God's promises you know God's word you know what his word declares you keep believing you keep trying to stay positive you keep waiting and waiting and waiting you keep pursuing God Sometimes, kind of, maybe. You know what Scripture says, and actually it's, it's even Jesus himself. When, remember in, in Scripture, Jesus says, I came so they, they, they might have what? Can you finish that Scripture off if you know it? I came so you might have life. And then he says, not only life, he says, I, I came so you might have life. You might have an abundant life. That, some translations say you might have it to the full. And we know that scripture and we know God's promises, but we don't actually see the results of that promise in our everyday life. We don't see God moving and working, right? And, and I think sometimes this story of Sarah, even though it's, it, we're going to read it and be kind of blown away, uh, we're going we're gonna to read about this Hall of Fame character, the first woman mentioned in the Hall of Faith. And, 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 and maybe, though, we can find that we have a few things in common with Sarah because Maybe if, if you just feel like, God, I, I thought you promised more. God, I've been waiting for more. God, I feel a little bit stuck. God, I don't see the results of this Jesus thing, of these choices I'm making. God, I'm honoring you. And it just doesn't seem like the promises you have for me have arrived. Well, our hero, Sarah, uh, she is in the right place. She is in the same place as maybe many of us. The reality for her is is this maybe, you know, maybe if I was younger, uh, maybe, I, I would think Sarah might be thinking, maybe if I was a little younger, uh, time has gone on, maybe, has anybody here ever felt like you heard from God, and, and I know some of our youth went to camp, I miss being up there with you guys, but did any of you feel like you heard a word from God, a word that was timely, and one of the, the, the things the enemy will do is that he will try to deceive and try to steal that promise that word that God gave to you. Some of you might, you might begin to go years down the road and you question, you know, was that God speaking at all? Or was that just Taco Bell? Whatever. I don't know, right? Was it just something going on? Was that God? Was that really you? Or did God, maybe, maybe you know, maybe I messed up. God, God did you change your mind? So the first thing I want to I wanna ask is, uh, would you write this down in your notes today? A couple, couple observations. <clears throat> Number one. 
Many problems for Christians arise when the facts conflict with our faith. Many problems for Christ followers arrive when facts conflict with faith. When we look at the things we should be looking at, right? Because sometimes, let's face it, facts are important. Facts matter. Facts tell a story. Numbers matter, right? But sometimes it's hard to ignore the facts because as we've learned, and we, we went through Romans 12, we've gone through Hebrews 11, heroes, we've learned that facts don't always line up with faith because faith often <clears throat> incorporates that which we can't see, right? And that's in Scripture. Faith is, it, it, it's like, God, I, I can't necessarily see it, but I'm going to continue to do it. So this promise for Sarah isn't happening. This promise for Abraham isn't happening. We're going we're to bless you with a son, and it is not happening. And she's waiting, and she's waiting and waiting. And when something doesn't happen for an extended period of time, what do we often do? Do we keep waiting well all the time? Or do sometimes, is anybody ever guilty of this? Is, I'll just raise like both hands. Sometimes do we just decide to take matters into our own hands? When we are waiting and waiting and waiting, is anybody here just get impatient from time to time? Right? Think of like if you go to a restaurant, and lately for sure, it's like you go to a restaurant and it's hard to get like good service these days. Doesn't it seem like it? And often if you're waiting and waiting and waiting, is anybody here ever guilty of like not being the greatest customer from time to time? Right? So Sarah, she decides to help God out. Has anybody here ever done that, right? She's going to decide to step in a little bit. Sometimes we like to step in when we're waiting for an extended period of time. God, uh, let me help you out a little bit because you're not really moving according to my time frame, to my clock. Genesis chapter 16, if you have your Bible, would you flip to it? Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, and let's get into the word a little bit this morning. You got it? Can we read it together? Now Sarai... Abraham, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But here we go. This is where she decides to step in and intervene, get impatient. Some would even say maybe a practical solution to a <laughs> problem that is not going away. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. So we see what's going on here, right? She's letting the, the facts of the situation override the promise of God. She's letting the facts kind of, right, the, the reality is she is, she's pretty old, man. Like, it's not family Sunday today, so I'm going to keep it like PG as I can. But just like, think about this at like 90 years old, right? Abraham's 99, she's 90. And Sarah decides to go outside of God's will to receive God's will. Think about that, right? She decides to go outside of God's directive. She goes outside of God's will to receive God's promise. And how many of you know anytime we decide to do that, that blessing is not going to happen? Her human reasoning, she, she understands the facts. She's been barren her whole life. She's old, and this thing called logic takes over. How many of us are like math, any math people in the house? Raise your hand if you're a math person. You're sicko if you do, right? No, I'm teasing. It's all right if you love math. Math is good. We need it, right? But her logic takes over. Her analytical thinking takes over, right? And we can do the very same thing. God, you're taking way too long here. 
God, you're moving way too slow for me. God, I need to help you out. God, I need to initiate something. God, I need to get you moving. I need to get you moving to fulfill what you said you would do. Remember, you said you'd do it, so now it's time for you to do it. And, and I love this story because it's not like we could sit here and, and giggle and, and, and some of this stuff just makes me chuckle about these two. But it's not like it's just Sarah because Abraham is also in the hall of faith, right? Abraham is also in the hall of faith. He's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And what does he do? You want to see what the hall of faith, all-star, right? The father of, of, of the nation. You want to see what he does? Let's find out. Let's look at the next verse. Can we continue on? Did he say, absolutely no, honey, you're crazy? Look at what he says. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, oh, man, I'm going to leave it there. You want me to sleep with the younger maidservant that's not 90? That's what you want me to do, right? That's the plan. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Look at verse 3. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and look what happens. She conceived. But remember, like, God's directive, and, and also, like, write this down in your notes. Like, he didn't just tell this to Sarah. Abraham was well aware of the promise, too. He was also going outside of God's will to try and receive God's blessing, right? It wasn't just Sarah in this case. So they decide that Abraham sleeping with this young handmaiden would totally bring about God's promise. And, and what we can see where this is going, they are going to be totally incorrect, right? Let's look what happens because watch out when a, 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 anyone is scorned, right? Sarah gets jealous. The next verse, would you read it with me? When Sarah knew that Hagar was pregnant, she was so happy for her and they lived happily ever after. No, that would be a Disney story, right? No, 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 no. What does it say? This is real life, right? She, she began to despise her, the Bible says. She began to despise her mistress. She began to hate, we would, call, we would use the term, Hagar is the baby mama. And, and Sarah begins to be jealous. She begins to hate her. She begins to see the blessing that their son Ishmael would be for Hagar, and she begins to despise her. And Hagar gives birth to her son Ishmael. And you know what's interesting is we, we've been talking a lot how problems in the physical often have a spiritual root, right? Have you been catching that in the last couple of weeks or years? I don't know. I repeat myself from time to time here. Somebody else has a good chance to say amen, right? But problems that we see in the physical often right the, there's a spiritual root to them and it's it's so important like we can pray for peace in the middle east all we want we can pray that god would bring that about but the spiritual connection goes all the way back to this couple that decided to act and move outside of god's will and we see the results of that thousands of years later with the conflict between uh arabs and the israelis and we see there's, there's a physical problem in our world today that dates all the way back to the book of Genesis. And we often like to ignore the spiritual problem in our culture today, don't we, right? We often just want to look at, 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 at what's going on, but we don't want to look at what the cause is. Abraham and Sarah, they, they went illegitimate. They took this approach. <clears throat> Can we say it like this? Merging human thinking with God's promise doesn't always work, does it? 
Mixing human logic with God's promise doesn't always work. It's like, can be like oil and water. They don't always go together, right? Our human facts don't always line up with God's promise. The Bible in the book of James, I love the book of James, it calls this double-minded thinking when you're just working both sides of the aisle to get something you want. So here, as we kind of continue, and I hope I can lay this out because I scratch my head at this a little bit, and I have nothing against Sarah. But I, I find it interesting that she's the first woman mentioned in the Hall of Fame because I had a big question and as I was studying this week, here it is, you ready for this? Or write this down like big idea, big question. This far into the story of really Abraham and Sarah, I kind of just, I'm just realistic and I think, man, how did they wind up in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith? Like how did they get in, right? Her life to this point to me, that, like when you, when you induct someone to the NFL Hall of Fame, when, when um, Derek Jeter got inducted into the Hall of Fame, right? The, the, the greatest shortstop of all time, better than any Red Sox shortstop. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Not <laughs> but when you get inducted into any Hall of Fame, you're inducted based on credentials. And when we look at the life of Sarah, I kind of go like, what has she done up to this point that seems Hall of Fame worthy? And much like Abraham, she didn't learn the lesson of waiting well in this 25-year period, right? She still wasn't ready to learn. Well, let's, let's look at some more scripture, and let's just begin to talk about this today. Genesis chapter 17, verse 15. Would you read it with me? God also said to Abraham, as for, your, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that she will, not, that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And look at Abraham's response to this promise. Verse 17, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will, will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? How many of you know these are really legitimate questions? And I love, like, God, like, look at this interaction. God and Abraham. And Abraham, it doesn't say, like, he fell face down and honored God and said, oh, thank you. Right? We, we love the faith of, like, think of the Virgin Mary. Like, when she receives her news, she's like, God, may it be so. Right? Abraham's like, no, 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 no. He just starts laughing, right? God speaks this promise, and Abraham begins to just mock what sounds like ridiculousness. Verse 21, God goes on, he says, But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you. And look at this. Would you underline the last part of the scripture? He says, by this time next year. Like, it's soon, you've been, you've been waiting and waiting. The promise is arriving. The package is almost here. And, and so Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're in the, the waiting room ready for that door to be opened. The promise is there. The child has is, is been promised in the next year. And, and, and like so often we do is we allow facts to trump our faith. We allow the, what we see, what we think we know, what we think God can or can't do to really trump our faith. Genesis 18, let's go to the next chapter, verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, and while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance to his tent. 
to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Verse 9, where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So already Abraham has laughed, and now let's look at Sarah's response. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. And look what Sarah did. Probably what I would do, probably what many of us would do. Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out, look at it, she's, she's like, she's, she's just speaking truth. After I'm worn out, um, Abraham's 100. I don't even want to know what I'm going to look like at 100, Right? let alone have the energy for anything else, right? This is just, this is crazy, right? Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old. <laughs> she hammers him too. She's like, my husband is old. I'm worn out. He's old. Will I now have this pleasure? I bet you Sarah was a fun lady. I bet you she had a good sense of humor, right? May I now have this pleasure? A little sarcasm in her tone here. Just inside the tent door, we can almost see, like, have you ever, like, been laughing at something or someone so hard that you have to, like, almost physically cover your mouth to keep them from hearing that you're laughing? Just imagine, like, put yourself in this culture, right? She's behind the tent, the thin little sheet, right? And, and she hears this conversation, your wife's going to have a baby next year. And she just, I, I could see her just cracking up, and she's, like, doing everything not to let them hear her right? Sarah's probably more aware of anyone that her age, but also she's very aware of her husband's age. And even in her prime, even in her prime years, she wasn't able to get pregnant. And, and the reality is we know, we, we still, I think most of us still believe in biology to some extent these days, right? But we know it takes two to tango, and she's well aware of Abraham's age and his, his well, never mind. Isn't the Bible fun? I love the Old Testament, right? Just, just truth, it's good stuff. Read this again. She says, after I'm old, shall I have the pleasure in my Lord being old also? She's kind of mocking her, her husband here as well, a little bit, but like what she brings up is true. Like she's like, there is nothing that can help me. Nothing ever did help me. Now I'm 90 right? There is no amount of super greens or, or, or anything that's going to help my herbs. Nothing's going to help my husband. There's nothing that's going to help us in this situation. Verse 13, look at what the Lord says to Abraham, and he calls them out. He says, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? I love how God tends to put us in check really quick. I love how he doesn't let the laughter go unnoticed. I love how he addresses the heart attitude. Sometimes we, we, we don't address things, and then if you're like me, I like to let things stay inside, and then I stew over them for a few days, and then maybe I'll get really upset or just decide to let it go. But I love how God addresses this right away. He addresses this attitude, this lack of faith in Sarah right away. He says, <clears throat> why did Sarah laugh? Why did, why did she do that? Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is this... And then he says this, look at verse 14. <clears throat> this is coming from the, the God who made everything out of nothing, right? 
Let's reference who is speaking here. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard? Why, why factually this is impossible? Why from the outside this story seems crazy? And, and to a non-believer, just probably a little bit weird. But God, the creator of everything out of nothing, right? He checks her, he puts her in her place, and he's like, hey, you need to pay attention here to what I'm going to say. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Verse 15, now watch this. Now, it's interesting, it says Sarah was afraid. And so she lied and she said, I, I didn't laugh. I'm like, no, no, no. And she denied it, right? She gets called out and then she's like, I didn't laugh. But God knows everything. He can read our minds. He knows our thoughts, right? He's well aware. I didn't laugh. And then he said, yes, you did laugh. It's, 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 it's very clear from the response of Abraham and Sarah that both of these folks had long given up on God's promises. Does anybody ever feel like that today? Sometimes it's, it's, it's one of those things like we can go to church all the time, we can watch online all the time, whatever it is, but God, I, I believe you, you had a promise, but it's like that time has passed, that I've long given up on whatever purpose or promise that I thought you had for me. And at this point in time, it's very difficult for Sarah to see how God can make this work. And she literally, she literally, and, and Abraham as well, not just her, she literally laughs at God. Like, I don't know, like, I, I will say, like, I've been a knucklehead from time to time, but laughing at God, this is ser serious stuff. And Abraham laughs at God. They laugh at the promise, and she'd already had offered her own solutions, which was to give Hagar to her husband and, and have a baby that way, and we know how that didn't work out. And Sarah, like each of us, sometimes we're a little slow to figure it out on this race that we call life, right? And thankfully, what we're going to see is God's going to do something in a couple chapters. He's going to show Sarah, I believe, some things, and he's going to work in some mighty ways that I think strengthened her, could only strengthen her faith. And thankfully, God did not give up on Sarah. Is anybody here thankful for that reality that, like, we can say all the times we've blown it, all the things that we've done, God, you didn't give up on me. Right? Aren't we thankful God didn't give up on Sarah? He's going to allow her to experience some things that will build her up. So, <clears throat> would you write this down? Because, again, like, what are her credentials? Still, like, we just went through another chapter, and, like, why is she in the Hall of Faith? Like, what is the deal? What happens in, in, in ver chapter 18 of Genesis, and maybe you could kind of do some devotions this week. I'll, I'll recommend two chapters for you. Genesis 19 and, and Genesis 20. Because in Genesis 21, the promise arrives. Isaac arrives. The baby of promise arrives in Genesis 21. And in Genesis 18, she's laughing. So here's the question for us today. What happens between Genesis 18, where she is laughing at God, mocking God, and then what happens between chapter 21, where that promise has arrived, where they receive that blessing. Well, here, here it is, kind of in short, and I'm going to summarize today because we've been through a lot of scripture, and uh, I know we gotta, we got to get going today, but there's two very traumatic experiences that Sarah and Abraham walk through, and they witness, and not only do they witness these experiences, they have like a front row seat. 
They have a front row seat on the chaos, on the action, on the destruction. The first one, would you write this down in your notes? The first thing she experiences is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in, in chapter 19. It's a, it's a thriving city that is actually utterly destroyed because of its sin. It is utterly destroyed because of the way people were choosing to sin. And, and, and it's interesting, even though it's a story of destruction, which I love, anybody here love the Old Testament when God just whacks people? I'm the only one. I'm a little weird. I love that. It reminds me of The Godfather or one of those movies, right? Goodfellas, something like that. Vegas, Casino, right? It, it reminds me like we're just, justice is just served, right? The, somebody got what they had coming to them. Right? And you see that a lot in the Old Testament. And even though it's a, st a, a, a story of God's immense power and judgment, right? But it's also actually a story of God's deliverance for their nephew, for, for this young man named Lot. So not only does Sarah have a front row seat to God's miraculous power and destructive force when he destroys the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? But then she also firsthand sees God's love and his faithfulness and we could even say at that point even his forgiveness when lot was rescued from that city the second thing she has a front row seat to and this is kind of a strange story we'll get into it just a little bit before we get ready to close here would you open your bibles to genesis chapter 20 genesis chapter 20 we'll just move moving through genesis today verse 1 it's a strange event where abraham is out traveling and they get caught and they, and they, they 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 get tied up with a king and they get caught lying to a king and a lot of it, I, th I think we could say Abraham didn't step up. He probably feared for his life, but we, we don't have time. We could have a whole few weeks on Abraham and Sarah, so we're trying to get through them in two weeks. But they're caught lying. Abraham is caught lying about his wife, Sarah. He tells this king, she's my sister, in an effort to probably keep himself safe, to keep himself alive. She says, she's my sister, and to... To, to summarize it, this king decides, okay, well, she's your sister. I'm going to bring her into my house. Let's read about it. Genesis chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of Negev and lived between uh, Kadesh and Shur. Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar. And there Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. And then Abimelech, king of Gerar, he, he sent for Sarah and he took her into his harem, into his household. I think it's interesting, like at, even at 90, Sarah must have been holding up well, right? Something, right? Uh, just observations. I told you, the Bible's fun, right? Is it okay? You guys are like, he is crazy, right? In fearing for their safety, we could say like Abraham doesn't man up and protect his family, his wife. He says, she's, she's my sister. And we're going to see something, and I wonder if this strengthened her faith as well, because at this moment, we, we see that her husband pretty much leaves her with this group and even though her husband leaves her we're going to see that God shows up and God doesn't leave her and so when we talk about your faith being built up I think Sodom and Gomorrah would get my attention but then some other things happened that get her attention as well her husband leaves he's a knucklehead and that God intervenes look look at verse 3 but God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and he said to him you're as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is married. And we'll go on to see Abimelech, like, just to summarize, like, this is a fun chapter, because Abimelech's like, God, I know you're going to kill me. I know you're going to wipe out my household, but you know I'm speaking the truth. I didn't know that was his wife. 
And God basically lets him off the hook and he says, all right, you need to return her to Abraham. Ultimately, Sarah's going to be released and she's going to be returned to Abraham. But what happens next is so interesting to me because this had to build up her faith even more. Genesis chapter 20, verse 17. Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. In those verses we just skipped from 3 to 16, we actually see that God closed the wombs of not only the, the entire household, but the nation of Abimelech. That nobody, while Sarah was held captive, nobody was, can we say it like this? God didn't allow anybody to get pregnant. He didn't allow the young, healthy women to get pregnant. Nobody, nobody got pregnant. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. The, the Bible says that Sarah witnessed firsthand God's ability to open and close the womb. Like, she has a front row seat to God's power and God's word. In that chapter, it says, God closed the, he closed the womb of every woman in the land. And I can't help but think Sarah's faith. But here's what I also think probably grew. Sarah's faith in the Lord, but also Sarah's fear of the Lord. Anybody agree with that? Right? The way she's going to be careful, the way she's going to be careful not to mock God, to laugh at his promises. I think she grew in faith, and I think she grew in fear of the Lord. I think she saw things, and it encouraged her. She saw God moving, and it encouraged her. That's one of the reasons I thought, you know what, we need to, I wanted to play that testimony today, and I know that's one that we've had a couple years, and we don't play it all that often, but one of the reasons we can't neglect meeting together, as the Bible says, because when we meet together, when we hear about what God is doing in the life of others, it will encourage us in how we walk right now, today, right? Because our faith can be built up when we hear about what God is doing. Sarah's faith was built up when she saw what God was doing. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go all the way back, all the way back to our core text for this whole series, the Hall of Faith Heroes. With this in mind, it's not surprising that in the next chapter, Genesis 21, God delivers. Isaac was born. Hebrews 11, verse 11. Would you read it with me? By faith, Sarah who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Sometimes I think we don't see God's promises come to fruition because we're too busy being distracted not only by other people, but we're too busy assigning blame and neglecting people and pointing fingers at people Division, division, division. Number two, and, and Danette, if you're here, would you come up and close us on the keys this morning? Number two, would you write this down? Beware of any form of division or blame going on in your heart. Beware of any form of division or blame going on in your heart. We're reminded today of this story that God had to fix Abraham and Sarah. And while it's a fun story, and I find it kind of funny, and man, if I was like with a group of guys, we'd have a lot of fun talking about this story, right? It's interesting. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12, then it goes on and it says, and so from this one man, and he is good as dead. Abraham is good as dead. He's 100, folks. 
came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And I think sometimes in marriage, in relationships, in friendships, God has to fix something, doesn't he? In, In Abraham's marriage, you know, biblically we talk about two becoming one and we get how that works in a physical sense. But in a spiritual sense, that's what marriage is called to be. It's, it's not two remaining two. It's two becoming one. And the, the biggest goal, and we see this in Abraham and Sarah's marriage, is that the enemy is able to divide them. The enemy is able to separate them. And the reality is if the enemy can keep you divided, he can keep you from receiving the promise. If he can keep you assigning blame, he can keep you from receiving the promise. And you can apply that to any relationship. And you're like, well, I'm single and I'm, I'm 18 and I've been waiting forever or whatever, right? Or you feel like it's forever even though you're only 18. I don't know. But you can apply it to any relationship. It doesn't just have to be a marriage. It can be a relationship at work. It can be in marriage. It can be in ministry. But both of them were complaining about their age, their situation, but they're also mocking and laughing at God. And when a relationship is divided where there are cracks, where there is bitterness, anywhere that lacks unity, in that area we lack unity, that's the enemy that the enemy needs to wiggle his way into our lives. Division, blame, it's the opening right there. James chapter 3, 16. James 3, 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every, every, every evil practice. In marriage, two can't stay two, right? As we close today and as we get ready to pray, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us and to reveal to you maybe an area of your life where blame comes into the picture far too easily. Far too often, when things don't go according to my perfect plan, when things don't fit into my perfect box, when things don't go my way, it's really easy to begin to question God's timing, right? In our frustration and our disappointment, we might blame a spouse, we might blame a, a friend, we might blame a coworker. We might blame a boss. Some of us, we've been blaming parents for decades and decades and decades, even though whatever it was happened decades, happened, happened decades ago. Some blame a friend. I would say it like this. <clears throat> would you write this down in your notes, maybe? Consider it. Blame and division, it has no place in the hall of faith. Right? When we look at the, the heroes in the hall of faith, We've talked about this a little bit. They all have some serious issues. But they all know how to move on. They all know how to fix their eyes on God. They all know where to turn when things start going south. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. And here here is one of the biggest things, the keys, I think, to waiting well. Waiting, waiting well. Because we kind of see from Sarah, she actually, she didn't always wait well, did she? One of the keys to waiting well is actually living and applying 1 Corinthians 13, 7 all the time. It says love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. In short, love doesn't assign blame. In short, love doesn't create division. Love isn't bitter, right? 1 Peter 3, 6, Sarah obeyed Abraham 
And this is interesting to me because it's almost like, I kind of go, is, is the New Testament saying something that we missed in the Old Testament? So look at this final scripture in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> Sarah obeyed Abraham. And it says this, calling him Lord. And the term here is a sign of respect. The term here is a sign of honor. And it says, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by fear. The, Peter wants us to know, it says, Sarah, <clears throat> and, and calling him Lord, it means she, she showed him reverence. In, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the language, it means she showed him honor. And we see in their marriage, like in this story, she wasn't always honoring him, was she, right? When, when, and I think, it like, I kind of wonder, like, after Sodom and Gomorrah, after this situation with King Abimelech, when, when, when she got her faith built up and when she began to fear God a little bit more, it's interesting to me, maybe when Sarah began to honor her husband, that's when she began to receive the blessing. It's interesting, like think of that in our relationships. Maybe when, when Sarah stopped calling the shots in her marriage, she got the miracle she was waiting for. And we know she was calling the shots, right? Because look at what she suggested and then look at what she actually got her husband to do. Like she was clearly in charge of some of the things going on in their home. And we see that their home just rages out of control with Ishmael and Isaac. I think, man, Peter reminds us. Look at that scripture one more time. 1 Peter 3, 6. Sarah, she obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I think it's, she, she didn't look at her husband with contempt anymore. Well, he's too old for that. He's too dumb for that. He can't figure that out. She's not bossing him. You don't know how to figure this out. Faith is never, it's never about our emotions because the Bible says, what, like our hearts can actually deceive us right? We can't always trust our emotions or the facts when it comes to faith, but it's trusting God's promise. And faith can look very different for each of us. Sometimes faith means going straight into battle, going for it. Think of King David, right? There were times where God instructed him by faith to run headfirst into battle. But you know what? There's not a, a one-size-fits-all when it comes to faith. I believe it took just as much faith for David to run away. You know what other seasons in his life? Faith for David meant stepping back. God told David, dude, run away. Saul's going to kill you. You need to go. So there's not always a, a single way to approach our faith, but faith is a lifestyle about pleasing a holy God, a lifestyle of honoring and fearing a holy God. And when pursuing this holy God becomes a, a normal way of life, we will be amazed at all that God will do for you, but even the things that God is going to do through you. Someone say amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we come to you today and we thank you for this time in your scripture and your word. Lord, we pray that you would inspect us today. God, as we said, so many problems arrive when our, 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 our faith, it, it conflicts with our facts. Problems arrive when our, when our faith, it, it doesn't line up with what we know to be fact. Here's what I want to ask you as we close, the simple question as we close today. Is there an area of your life that God is wanting to stir up your faith? But you're so focused on the facts, you're so focused on what you see. I'm going to ask that again with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Is there an area that God is wanting to <clears throat> do something? He's wanting to get you to move or he's wanting to get you to 
move back, forward. He's wanting to stir something up in your faith, but you're focused on the facts. You're focused on what you see, and you can't see a way around those facts. I want to ask you, would you just pray, God, would you build up my fear of you more? God, help me not to laugh at your promise anymore. I don't want to be like Sarah giggling behind the curtain over what it is you have for me. Because what you have for me is good. And the second thing I want to ask, is there an area of division? Is there an area where you have a blame? Is there a root of bitterness that has taken hold in your heart? Is there a root of bitterness that has taken hold in your marriage? Is there a root of bitterness that has taken hold in a relationship or a friendship or a family member? Is there someone you used to honor but now you find it hard to honor them? Is there someone you used to honor but now you find it easier to laugh at them? You find it difficult to show them honor. If your attitude is blame, if your attitude is divisive, if your attitude is, is trying to be the comedic relief, if your attitude is selfish, if your attitude is based on selfish ambition, the Bible says be careful. Be careful. Because where there is selfish ambition, where there is jealousy, you will find disorder, you will find every evil practice. That's my question. Is there someone you need to honor? The Bible would say, don't give the enemy a, a foothold. We know he comes to steal. We know he comes to kill. And we know he comes to destroy. And maybe there's some of us he hasn't killed or he hasn't destroyed yet, but he has stolen a lot from you. He's stolen God's promise. He's stolen the, the word that God has over your life. And I would ask you <clears throat> to get along with the Holy Spirit as we pray and say, God, just give me a pure heart for this person. God, give me a pure heart where there's division. God, give me a pure heart where there's blame. God, give me a pure heart where there's jealousy. And God, help me to walk more in your faith. As we close, I want to ask one final question. Our heads bowed. Are we doing okay? Can we keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment? Where are you at with God? We've been talking about faith week after week after week. But some of you, you might just be saying, you know what, I, I, I don't even know what you're talking about when you say fearing the Lord because I don't know that I even have a relationship with the Lord. Where are you at with God today? Where are you at in your relationship with Jesus today? Maybe you're watching online or maybe you were in church when you were a teenager. Maybe you've come back in your 20s or 30s, whatever it is. But I want to ask you, where are you at with Jesus today? The Bible says when someone becomes a Christian, you become a brand new person inside, that you're not the same anymore, but a new life has begun. And maybe that's what you are here for today. Maybe you don't even know why you arrived at church. Maybe you didn't even want to come to church. Maybe somebody forced you to be here. But God knows why you're here today, and maybe he's making an appeal for you. The Bible says that God sent his son for us. He, he sent his son that we might have a relationship with the Father. 
And one of the ways we have a relationship with the Father is just by not only acknowledging where we've been and what we've done. God, maybe I've been trying to do a lot of it on my own. And God, I need you. I like to just say it like this. Maybe you need to acknowledge Jesus today. Maybe you need to acknowledge who he is and what he accomplished and did for you on that cross. The Bible says he was without sin and he, he went to the cross. He was put there an innocent man and he took on the sin of the world. He took on my sin and your sin so that we might have access to the Father. But it didn't just end there that after the third day he, he rose again and he ascended. He was seen by many and he ascended to the right hand, the throne of the Father. And he's making an appeal for you. He's making a case for you today. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I open my life to you. If that's you, if you want to acknowledge Jesus as a Savior, I'm going to ask you to just lift your eyes, or would you lift your hand, right? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, a couple seconds, and we'll be done, I promise. But if you need to acknowledge Jesus, if you feel like he's making an appeal for you today, would you lift your hand, or would you lift your eyes in my direction, and I want to pray for you. One, two, three, go ahead. Would you just lift your hand? Is there anyone here? I just want to ask you this. Yes, I see you there. I see you. Anybody else over here? Can we just pray if you've been in church? I see, you, I see you right there. Can we pray this? Church, if you've prayed it 20 times, 30 times, 100 times, or for some of you that raise your hand, if you pray this your first time, let's say it together out loud. Come on, 9 a.m. Jesus, I open my life to you. Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me and to guide me. Jesus, help me trust in you thank you for the blessing of starting new. Can we say this, church? Everybody, God, would you come and be in charge of my life? Come on, church, say that. God, would you come be in charge of my life? In Jesus' name, God's people said, we say amen. Can we applaud him? Can we praise him? Can we thank him today? God, we praise you. God, we pray that you would continue to bring revival in our city, that we may live it. Amen? Amen. Would you Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.